Welcome to the Spirit School of Ministry podcast, where we discuss discipleship in everyday life. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Spirit School of Ministry podcast. I'm Liz. I'm here with Pastor David and Pastor Bob. We are uh, continuing our fivefold ministry discussion, which has been so great. Yeah. Don't you think? I think it's been amazing. I think it's just been the most amazing material that everyone yeah. should listen to. Uh-huh. It's not sixfold. Mm. Not no. Not yet. Not okay. in the, we our haven't Bible. made those up yet. <laughs> we'll make that one up. <laughs> we'll unveil the sixth one at the end oh, of this series. Hey, why why are we doing fivefold ministry anyway, Liz? Why are we? Yeah. Didn't we cover that in the first one? Were you? But here? Why are we now? I was here. I thought. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's important. God's doing something. Mm-hmm. I mean, we've had. Right, obviously the fivefold ministry has been in the Bible since it was written. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so it's not like a new Seems revelation. Like but I do believe God's doing something new in His church regarding the fivefold ministry and setting things in order, and mm-hmm. um, maybe exposing a little bit more of what that actually looks like. So it's current. It's current. I think oh, it is. Nice. I think it should be. If it's not, excellent. Yeah. Another purpose is to activate every one of these offices and let people know what the Lord is asking them to do and what they were created to do. When mm-hmm. people know that they stand a better chance of doing it. If it's just something that's a Bible word, like evangelist, like we're talking about today, or, or even prophet, that's a really intimidating one for people. They might yeah. feel like they're excluded and they couldn't fulfill that. So what we want to do is, um, is lay out some clear groundwork and, um, encourage people. We want to encourage them to step in and start walking in those mantles and those offices. Yeah. Sounds like a good answer. I, I accept both your answers. It's oh, very good. good. Thank you. I give you so an You can reject it. It's fine yes. if you want. Okay. <laughs> good. Well, I think it's important that the, and not just important, I would say essential that the church recognize the fivefold ministry and that the fivefold ministry recognize the church. Mm. I think it's very a symbiotic relationship that has to occur. Mm-hmm. And without both recognizing who they are, in God's big plan and purpose, um, you can miss the mark, and people and the church will not be. Uh, which, by the way, the fivefold ministry is part of that church. Mm-hmm. We forget that. We look a lot of times. We people talk about it and they think about it, some kind of hierarchy above the church is actually in or below the church, lifting the church and bringing it into maturity. And I think you know we're going to start talking about evangelists mm-hmm. if I ever let you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, but the reality is. If we lose sight of the why, why would we speak about fivefold ministry? There's a significant why, and that is so that the church can be brought into the maturity of Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's tied to that. It's inseparable. And to you know, I just don't want us or the people who have an opportunity to listen to us to miss that. Yeah. Because you can miss the why this is happening, why we're doing this, and what and God's why, not just our why. Yeah. You said something interesting where you said the fivefold ministry could lose sight of the church or something to that. They wouldn't recognize the church. So what did you mean by that? Like, how would that look for them to not recognize the church? Uh, I believe they wouldn't uh, view the church from the position that God placed the fivefold ministry in, which I believe a lot of the times, maybe not all of the time, but a lot of the times, fivefold ministry might view the church from above rather than viewing the church from a place of support, of encouragement. Like subservient? Subservient. That's a good word. You know, you, you're you a very subservient person. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Thank I know you. you. Try. Yeah. But, uh, but they, but uh, so your, your vision of who you are 
in the church. And like I said, the, the other thing is the fivefold ministry is in the church. It's not separate from the church. Mm-hmm. And actually, I believe that as much as the fivefold ministry is designated to help support the church, infuse the church, grow the church, mature the church, the church is also responsible to minister to the fivefold ministry, mm-hmm. which is another thing we should probably talk about some year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As yeah, you were yeah. talking about that, like the fivefold being part of the church, it's not something separate. Because I think a lot of times people think about like fivefold and every, you know just things flowing out from the fivefold, right? Flowing out from the fivefold right. to the people. But in a body, they're supposed to be an exchange. There's supposed to be things mm-hmm. flowing too mm-hmm. as well, right? Otherwise, there's no life there right the ephesians yeah. 4 thing every joint supply everybody's supposed mm-hmm. to supply to someone yeah. and the um i think in maybe the last several hundred years the church has taken on this um aspect of it of this kind of hierarchy this you know this class that's above the church that's the the leaders if you will the church mm-hmm. the clergy the clergy yes <laughs> <laughs> we like the clergy um as as opposed to they are the church and yeah. how we all, you know, like here I've been called to be a pastor and several other things, but uh, I'm I'm in the church. I'm I am the church, just like you are the church. And mm-hmm. to forget that will uh, give us a position where we start looking at the church, uh, sometimes looking down at the church, which is a real unfortunate thing, mm-hmm. um, because what that'll do is it'll keep the church immature. It also leads mm-hmm. to people using shame and how they encourage the church. Mm-hmm. So like for evangelists, like sometimes an evangelist will look at the church and say, they're not making any disciples. They're not getting anyone saved. They're just sitting back and they really will, will get disgusted at the church if they're not mm-hmm. careful, if they don't guard themselves. If you have that evangelistic heart, um, you have to be really careful that you're still motivating people with gentleness and respect and patience and calling forth what's in them and activating them in their personal circumstances, not just shaming them and not just saying, you should be like me. You should get out there. You should be like this other person. Um, because that's, that's what you do when you have that top down perspective that, you know, something that everybody else doesn't and you don't take into account what they are seeing that maybe you're not seeing. Yes. It becomes the us and them Mm -hmm. instead of it's the unity of the faith and it's all of us together, uh, walking closer to Jesus, hopefully pleasing him with our faith and our actions. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, that well, was an I accept intro. That, answer. A, that was an intro. <laughs> <laughs> <and a> half. <laughs> People great. are listening. Going, are they talking about evangelists? <laughs> yes. yes. Somehow we're still talking about church, even in the evangelism. Yeah. Because imagine that. Imagine, imagine that. that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump into uh, evangelist. What is an evangelist? Hmm. Well, evangelist uh, is a preacher. Okay. A preacher of good news. You can't be an evangelist if you're not willing to talk. Okay, so that's the number one thing that evangelist does is they talk about Jesus, they talk about the gospel. They don't just um, show him with their actions. They do. That's very important, but that's not going to get anyone saved. So right. uh, maybe we could save. You know, this is my whole rant because um, if I, you know, buy you a sandwich, you might understand from that that God is good and that God loves you. You might see something of God in that, but you're not going to know the specific message of the gospel that God's coming to reign on the earth, that he was incarnated in the form of a human being through virgin birth, that he lived 33 years, that he suffered everything we did, that he died on the cross as a substitute for sin, and he rose again to give you a new life. All that has to be articulated. 
That's the message that we're putting forth. So, okay. So <laughs> this is maybe just my thing, but yeah. there's that, you know, the, the saying of like, you know, go preach the gospel in all the world. And if you must use words, like right. in other words, you can accomplish preaching the gospel without words. And if you have to use words, but that's a little bit different than what you're saying. It is. Okay. Good. It's very um, different than what, than what Paul said and what Jesus said. Exactly. Everything exactly. in the Bible. Um, are you, but, are you trying to say that was a nice saying, but he was wrong. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe Can that. We I call mean, people out on we that. We understand the emphasis on lifestyle, but I think a lot of times people get caught in this, like, well, I'll just live my life well. And that will show people Jesus. And I'm preaching, I'm preaching the gospel mm-hmm. by my actions and you should preach the gospel by your actions. But the gospel also be, has to be preached with words, like God used words, right? He didn't just live a good life and everything was created from that. Nobody he actually does. used nobody, his uh, words. Yeah, nobody gets offended if you love them or even if you pray a blessing over them. Well, some people. If you pray a blessing over them, <laughs> if you give them something, but they'll get offended if you say the name of Jesus, mm. but that's what will save them. Mm. That's what he said. You know, no one's going to come to the Father except through me, not through a general display of God's kindness. Um, that can help someone repent, but it's through the person of Jesus that someone comes to eternal life. So that's what you have to have the courage to proclaim if you're evangelizing. Um, now, like an evangelist, the office, you asked what an evangelist yeah. is. Um, every believer is called to evangelize, to preach the good news, gospel of the kingdom, who Jesus is. Mm-hmm. Um, every believer is supposed to do that. An evangelist is given to the church to equip people to do that just like any other office. So an evangelist that's fivefold is somebody that really has a burden to um, not just be the only preacher um, in a white suit with thousands of people there, but to train other people to do it and, um, you know, to equip them for the work of ministry. And, um, you know, so every believer is an evangelist given to the world, but a fivefold evangelist is given to the church as a gift to, uh, to equip the church and also to preach the gospel to the church. That's a that's a key function of the evangelist because, um, you know, sometimes the church can go after things that are not the gospel, which are good things, and an evangelist is just there to bug people and say, "Remember, it's all about Jesus. Remember your first love. You know, return to the simplicity of the gospel, and to mm-hmm. make sure that all these other efforts are um, aligned with the gospel. So we're not just getting off in our own denominational flavor. We're actually staying focused on the mission of the gospel. So that would be my yeah. stab at like what the office of the evangelist nice. would be. Hmm. Any thoughts on that? Well, <clears throat> I, I um, believe also that a lot of times we pigeonhole evangelists into they're a minister or a bringer of the good news of the gospel of salvation. Mm. And we forget that there's, you know, the gospel, which is the power of God and the salvation. And it's not just initial salvation. It's actually, I believe, full salvation, yeah. which would mean that, there's the gospel of the kingdom also that evangelists must bring Mm -hmm. to people uh, specifically to the church, because I believe we pigeonhole uh, evangelists into a place where, okay, so you go find the unsaved and those are the people that you're going to minister to come back and tell us how many people you got saved. It's like, great. (laughs) You know, meanwhile, they are, their assignment, what we're reading out of the Mm -hmm. fivefold Mm -hmm. is actually, in the church, mm-hmm. it's to the church, and so you can miss a big, you know, part. That's why I like what uh, Pastor David said about, you know, everybody's assigned to evangelize, to you know, bring people to the knowledge of Christ. Mm-hmm. And, but if we if we lose sight of the fact that evangelist, his anointing goes so far, be, it has to go. 
beyond, like I say, just, and I say just initial salvation. That's not as, I'm not uh, minimizing right, it, okay? Right. It's the most spectacular, amazing thing that could ever happen to your life. Yeah. Uh, matter of fact, anybody listening who's just, gotten this far and going, what is this all about? You know, uh, uh, Pastor David rattled off what we generally know as the gospel and, you know, Jesus, you know, he died for our sins and mm-hmm. was buried and raised again on the third. And, uh, by the way, Pastor David, do you have to say all those things to a person to get them saved? Yeah. Every single one, every single one, like in the yeah. right order, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you have to introduce the person to Jesus and they have to know the real Jesus. Yes. That would be key. They have to bring the real them to the real Jesus to get saved. Yeah. It's as simple as it is. So you have to get them to be honest about who they are as a sinful person who needs grace and then explain who Jesus was and what he did for them, which would be, you know, it says in Romans that they have to confess with their mouth that he's Lord and believe in their heart that he rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. That would mean that they also believed he died because <laughs> nobody's rising from the dead unless right. they died. Mm-hmm. Um, so that implies that you at least instructed them in the basics of Basic stuff. the salvation. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, they don't need to know a full theology and, and catechism to be saved. And they don't have saved. to like repeat it back to you and <laughs> in order. It's cool if you just if you just make them read line yeah, by line. Yeah, that's kidding. awesome. But, um, <laughs> no, one time I was I was talking with some people and people be- were believing the gospel in a, a party situation, and I said, you know, if you believe this, all you need to do is say Jesus is my Lord and, and mean it. If you believe everything I've been telling you about Jesus, you know, commit to him out loud. And someone did that, and I, I believe that person was saved. You know? um, yeah, it doesn't have to be this whole long. Let's all close our eyes and join hands and. Let's connect with the energies of the universe. It's like, no, it's a, it's confessing. No, he's my king. I'm leaving Satan as my king, mm-hmm. and I'm defecting to the kingdom of God. And you yeah. say it, and you go about Well, I think that's part of the key, too, is that it's not just Jesus as Savior, right? It's Jesus mm-hmm. as Lord. It and is. this um, goes back to something you mentioned that I wanted to touch mm-hmm. on, Pastor Bob, which is um, it's not just the gospel of salvation. It's not just the gospel of heaven. It's the gospel of the kingdom, right, which yes. actually implies lordship now here on the earth that we're living Mm -hmm. in something different. I just wonder if we could just maybe explore this just for a minute here. Like the, cause a lot, I think a lot of times it's like evangelists are people who get people to confess that Jesus is savior. You know, it's like, can I get you to say these words? You know, like that's (laughs) like, I forgot my glasses. Can you read this for me? You know, it's like, I've heard of that. And just like trying to get someone to do it. Pull your mic up a little closer there. Oh, yeah, that's not good. When I hear you. Um, I'll yell. But there is a significant (laughs) difference between just bringing someone to the place of faith to acknowledge that Jesus died and was rose again for their sins. Mm -hmm. But that's significantly different than being willing to actually begin a new way of living where Jesus is Lord. And that, to me, seems to speak a lot to what an evangelist actually is, as opposed to the perception yeah. yeah, I actually believe, and this is one of my little pet peeves about the whole fivefold. You know, I have a few of them that I we've been spilling out here, and mm-hmm. you know, people probably hate me for this, but <laughs> that's okay. It's it's fair. Um, and that we is love you in the Lord. We love you in the Lord. Yes, thank you, <laughs> yeah. Pastor Dave. Um, but the reality is, is that, um, and this is the pet peeve I have, is that mm-hmm. if we relegate them to the gospel of salvation and say that's what an evangelist does. The reality is getting, you know, getting people to acknowledge and verbalize, hopefully that they receive Jesus as their savior is so wonderful. Mm -hmm. Like there's, I mean, 
I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm, surprised. Not going I'm surprised every time somebody actually does it. I'm right. Like, wow, that's it's, it's just it's amazing, miracle. right? Yeah. It's like God drawing them. And it's just, everything about it is so great. It's mm-hmm. so, you know, and when you think back to your own uh, conversion, you're just mm-hmm. like, whoa, yeah, okay. How did that, how? <laughs> it's so, it's beyond, right? It's his yeah. grace that's so powerful. But an evangelist in the church is supposed to get people to confess the gospel of the kingdom, to actually rehearse in them his lordship, kingdom, right? That, see, that's another component oh, yeah. revelation right here, so right think, now. Yeah. You just got that. No, if you get it, like that is also their assignment. So if we relegate them to and pigeonhole them to one component and not the whole thing, I believe the church misses out. Like, mm-hmm. because once you know him as a savior, to actually grow into a place where he's your lord there's mm-hmm. that's that's some heavy lifting going on there there that's not so, a simple you know poof okay he's my lord today <laughs> you know it's like yeah. yeah there's gonna have to be some proof to that pudding yeah well yeah i mean right. i think that no true evangelist would just leave it at salvation because mm-hmm. what what motivates you and what makes you a great evangelist is jealousy mm-hmm. like i love the lord he needs to these people they belong to him they don't belong to the devil. Um, I'm not going to allow them to go to hell without me saying something. I'm jealous for them. I'm jealous for the Lord. I will get them if it's in my power, if the Lord grants it by his grace. And not only that, I won't just get them in the door and then leave them. I'm jealous for them to know the Lord for all that he is, and he's worthy of their total allegiance and their total obedience. And so an evangelist is never making just converts. They're making disciples. Yes. They are raising people up to have Jesus as their Lord and to give Jesus everything that he paid for. And if you don't have that jealousy, you won't be a gospel preacher. If if that's not in you, that's where you have to start. You can't just start by saying, oh, I got to go out there and talk to three people a day. And, you know, hopefully I can greet a stranger. It's like, well, first focus on your heart of like, do you really have jealousy for the Lord? Um, Are you okay if you hear someone in the booth next to you at the restaurant talking down on the Lord? Are you, what if you went over there and you're like, Hey, I love Jesus. I couldn't help but overhear you. He's, He's better than you think. You have to have a crazy jealousy that allows you to kind of mess with people's lives and bring things up. <laughs> and that continues after they get saved. You just keep messing with people, right? So <laughs> that's what it's trying to say Jesus about. just keeps messing with us no yeah. matter what. <laughs> to me, at least. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of times uh, we view evangelism as something we should be doing. You know, it's like everyone knows, like, it's something I should be doing. I should be out there. I should be talking to people. And it's kind of like this um, behavior, I think we try to put on or like convince ourselves into, but, um, I think what you're saying makes a lot more sense that it's actually like a heart position of love toward the Lord first and foremost, Mm -hmm. and also towards people. Mm -hmm. Um, and I know we have a whole, um, course on evangelism also that gives you give a lot of really good Mm -hmm. instruction, but, um, David, I was wondering if you'd give us maybe just like a place for someone to, to start or even like something to help them get in the right heart position or I don't even know if that makes sense what I'm asking. Um, Here's what it is where it always starts and finishes is meditate on the cross Mm. of Jesus. Why was that necessary? Who was it on the cross? What forced him to do it? Oh, nothing. He did it completely freely. I was really going to go to hell if he didn't do that. He really loves me that much. He really paid that much of a price. How beautiful is that? Oh man, that was foreshadowed the whole old Testament. Like you just gain wonder upon wonder upon wonder, and that's what's going to make you share. It's like you're you're overflowing, and he's the most 
glorious thing to you. You're always going to talk about the thing that grips your heart the most. So you have to get to that place where the cross and the good news of what Jesus has done is your song. It's the, you know, it's, it's what you are going to say. <laughs> it's what you want to talk about in every conversation. Um, when you get into a new hobby, it's what you want to tell everybody about. When you really get into Jesus, he's, he's what you want to tell everybody about. And you're not just going to drop an opportunity that comes up because you're like, Oh, this is it. I'm, I'll, let me share something else about him. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, it, it goes back to falling in love with the work of the cross and, and who Jesus is as a person. And you're just telling people about your best friend. And that's a lot less pressure than just like, I have to make sure that uh, when I go into this store, I am ready to pray for people and I am doing, you know, mm-hmm. it, you can't make it a list. It has to be like a love thing, a jealousy thing. Um, you know, the, the passion of your life. If you were to ask me like, Hey, why is Lord of the Rings a good book? Like, I would be talking to you for the next. <laughs> we just talking about Lord of decades. the Rings <laughs> because I, I love it and I've like given attention to it and I it moves it moves me like when when the riders of Rohan crush them at the end like that just that moves me and I just want to tell people about it and so you know you can't read the Bible as this dead letter it has to be this you know the story of how God saved you from hell and that should move you and then it's going to move you to extend that to people. If you don't give attention to that, even if you're a great evangelist, even if you work at a church like me, you know, it's like, if I don't give attention to that today, I'm not going to want to share that with anyone. Mm. It's not like I have an anointing. So I always can share all the time and it's easy. And I see people get saved, but I have to, you, you have to be in love with Jesus for it to really matter to people. You know, that's what I think, you know, that I could be wrong about that. That's pretty good, except for the, um, the writers of Rohan thing. That was actually very good. <laughs> but, no, that wasn't just good. That was great. That was great. Yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, but also, the uh, uh, yeah, I believe that when we introduce people to Jesus, we have to introduce them to Jesus, not to... That's deep. It, that's, that's real deep. deep. <laughs> you know, I just brought you all to the, such the deep end of the swimming pool because most of the time, people want to introduce you to their religion. <laughs> Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? Or they want to introduce you to what they know about their religion or what they know about the guy, Jesus, mm-hmm. rather than bringing him to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot more interesting. And it takes what I believe David just was touching on, and that is your actual um, relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Like what he not just did for you, which is amazing mm-hmm. but who he is with you now yeah. right right now right this moment you yeah. know and uh and that's that's actually tangible you know uh here we are talking and actually prior to our po- uh, podcast here you know we started talking about some things about jesus and liz here she just started weeping and i'm like hey what are we doing here i don't weep i cry you cry <laughs> It was a crying weeping, but, um, (laughs) yes, but the, but, uh, I I was like, wow, we went there. Like we were just, but what happens, we touched on something that's personal to you about Mm -hmm. him, Mm -hmm. not about our religion, not about how much we know about our religion, not about how many scriptures we like to rehearse at somebody. It's him. It's the person of Christ. And I believe that all the great evangelists, many of which I believe were called apostles and pastors in the Bible, you know, that we know them as that. They were actually really great evangelists also, and they introduced people to him. Yep. That's what happened is they all, all of that 
uh, you know, bringing them through the Old Testament and the types and the shadows and bringing them was to bring them to him. Mm-hmm. Right. It wasn't to bring them to her religion yeah. at all, actually. Yeah. I always say I'm so happy that I'm not preaching the gospel of David. Like, <laughs> hey, if you just follow me, you could be a good person like me. If you believe in Jesus, yes. you could be like me. This is that would as be good horrible. As it's that would like, be horrible, horrible, horrible news. Um, the other good I want to. I want to meet the riders, riders of Rohan. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> really, if that's terrible. as good as he gets. Wow. Um, yeah, but it's so important because you know sometimes people too are like, I can't share the gospel because I'm not to a certain level in my faith, mm-hmm. and people are going to think I'm a hypocrite, and you know I still mm-hmm. have sin. And but you're not talking about you. You're talking about the Lord and his kingdom. Yeah, that's good. Um, and so that should free you from any sort of like a, a self-proving thing. Um, no, it's, it's so important. What, what you said is true. Of, that's the work of an evangelist in the church is to bring people in love with Jesus. That's how you motivate people to share their faith. Mm-hmm. That's how you do it. I mean, so somebody that's an evangelist in the church, their focus is the Lord bringing people to look at him, to focus on him. When people do that, when it's really powerful in their life, all of a sudden they have a lot they see a lot more opportunities at their job, right, at their sport, with their kids, you know, in their family of origin. What are they, all of a sudden, I'm talking about Jesus more because that's what I'm thinking about. That's what I'm meditating about. And an evangelist is just there to say, you know, don't forget him. Look at him, you know. So if you're an evangelist and you're called to that office, you got to think about how am I motivating people? How am I showing them the Lord? Mm. I think, too, one of um, something we're touching on that's really making sense for me Um and helping me as I process this whole subject is, um, this whole idea of, um, test personal testimony, right. Um, it's kind of what you were saying, like the, uh, do you have, do you have a testimony of like when you came to salvation, right? That obviously that's powerful, but what is your testimony now about who he is to you now? Hmm. Right. Is that alive? And is that something you can share right now? Cause some people, you know, I, I don't re- actually remember, um, getting saved cause I, I was very young, I think, you know, yeah. when that happened. Maybe we and, could uh, take care of that <laughs> Maybe right I'm not, now. actually. Maybe, maybe that's literally that right what now. I'm realizing Repeat right now. After me. Lord. <laughs> <laughs> Today's, is today your day? <laughs> Today's the big day. Really. So that's I don't necessarily line, have actually. like a conversion story of like, you know, I was in the world and I was doing drugs mm. like Pastor Bob and, you know, all you of born, these things. You were born saved. <laughs> um, there was definitely a conversion time in my life where I committed my life to him as I got older. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's even different than salvation. But I guess what I'm saying is, um, but I still have something to share with people now. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I don't, it's not, I think a lot of times I hear this, like, well, I'm not that good at evangelizing because I don't have like a powerful testimony because I didn't live a bad life and I didn't <laughs> do all of those things. And it's like, is that required to, to be able to, is that the only kind of testimony mm-hmm. that's powerful or is it, I am, I am so in love with the Lord now. Like, look at the life he's given me. This is what I get to walk in mm-hmm. every day. And he has the same for you, that personal place of now my my alive relationship with him now that can be a motivating <laughs> factor for sharing sharing yeah. with people it doesn't totally. always have to be like this i think there's just some misconceptions Completely. i think that we're yeah. we're dealing with today because i hear that a lot totally. like well i don't really have a testimony mm-hmm. like what 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 do you say to that what yeah. do you say to that yes yeah. um yeah. i i actually believe everybody has a testimony yeah. They really do. And it could be a testimony of God's keeping power. Mm-hmm. I know that uh, when you said that, it reminded me of uh, years ago, we were ministering at a teen challenge and we brought some 
of our younger men with us that grew up here in the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, they hadn't really gotten into things in the world. You know, they had pretty much kept themselves. I mean, they weren't sinless. Mm-hmm. That I know for sure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but but they were they were good people. They're good Christian yeah. young men. And when we brought them into that, um, you know, venue, and you have people that are hardened. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about mm-hmm. older people, younger people, people, you know, who just, they've gone through just so much in their life. And you would expect that somebody needed a testimony that was kind of equal to or equivalent to. Yeah. The same thing happens in prisons. Well, I was going to say, yeah, when, we miss when, the I, prison, when like, I started going to prison, yeah, I had the same thing. Yeah, you like, feel they like... Won't, uh, yeah. We, I won't be able to relate to them. They won't be able to relate to yeah. me because I don't have their story. And it, in reality, what I've found over the years is that people in those places that are hard, where life's had a real hard uh, effect on them, mm-hmm. they've you know lost everything. They're, uh, it's the worst of the worst, if you want to call it that. Mm-hmm. When they come into contact with someone that's been more... Um, I don't know if the right word is preserved, but they've been uh, dedicated and and kind of kept with God, but yet still, you know, they're working out their life. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they, um, it's almost like they want to come over and like actually see if you're real, mm-hmm. like touch you. And I believe that kind of a person can uh, relate to them uh, in a way where uh, showing them that it's actually possible because most of those people believe that's not possible. Mm-hmm. See, they don't believe that a person can have a life that's somewhat dedicated to God. But then I'm sure like when you're in the prison, when I go to the prison or one of these places, we, uh, when you minister there, you know, we're not perfect. Right. And we're working out our life Mm -hmm. in God. Mm -hmm. Right. So my, uh, testimony, if you will, right this moment is not one of everything's love with God. Everything's perfect. Mm -hmm. It's not. Right. No, it's not. I know. I know it. I know I. It's a shocking. I know I have right this persona that it's but all. You're, but you're a pastor. Yes. It's. I know. I know. It's. I know it. I, I wear it well. It looks perfect. Yeah, yeah. But the reality is that everybody. Matter of fact, anybody who tells me they don't go through that, I know that immediately they're lying to me, right. and I stop listening to pretty much everything else they say. So I personally don't approach people like that, even though. By the way. You know, 40, wow, a long time ago, 47 years now, 48. It's been a long time since I came to Jesus. God instantly delivered me, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And I haven't been back to that stuff since. It was, Mm -hmm. you know, amazing. And I, you know, I can't figure out how, why, it's God, right? But the reality is, is that I'm still working out my life. And there's still doubts. There's still times of, you know, confusion, just not sure um, where you just times when you feel like you're not uh, measuring up to what you know, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. there's uh, uh, yeah. So those are real, those are tangible. And if you portray yourself as perfect to somebody, you will not really, you're really not uh, doing them a lot of a, a great service. A person wants to know that you're, you're, you're real. You, yeah. you know, uh, Jesus, you know, the Bible, he was touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He gets it, right? Mm-hmm. So even though he didn't partake of the sin, he got it. He understood He understood what it was to face those things because uh, he was tempted, just like us, without yeah. sin. But um, So I think we, how we, in our evangelistic 
um, uh, ministry, how we actually work with people, uh, to be real to them and tangible and, and, and uh, be present with them. Like, oh, yeah, I'm working out stuff, too. It's not sure. that stuff, mm-hmm. you know. And right. I know God delivers from that stuff also, just like I believe he's delivers from my stuff mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. And so where you can get, uh, where you become uh, a present with them. Yeah. But, you right. know, yeah. I think, um, I don't know if that made sense. That makes total sense. On a little um, tangent yeah. there. But, <laughs> and, uh, any office uh, is like that. Like, without transparency, your yeah. uh, your effectiveness is severely limited. Right. Um, you know, you're holding yourself aloof and apart from other mm-hmm. people that you could otherwise connect to. Um, it's so much even more important. We're talking about the office of evangelist and within the church, training people to disciple, training people to share the gospel and step out, take risks, um, make themselves look dumb, bringing up the name of Jesus <laughs> in a conversation mm-hmm. with their coworker or somebody that they've known for five years and, and putting up a flag and saying, I'm a Christian at the office. I mean, that's, that's difficult stuff. Um, if you're not willing as, you know, the mantled evangelist or whatever, whatever it is, you know, um, if you're not willing to be open about your own struggles that you faced and how you overcame them, you're not going to equip people. So if you just try to tell people like, Hey, you should be like me. Here's five stories of me leading people to the Lord. You're giving people this idea that you're some superhero in God. Cause all they've heard are, are these stories of you, you know, doing mm-hmm. these awesome things, but you don't tell them the 500 times that you were rejected. <laughs> you don't tell them right. the times that you were totally embarrassed or the time that you organized an evangelistic outreach and only like two people came when you were planning it for three months. That was, you know, that was something that I did. <laughs> right. And so, it's and not, those two people were what, uh, uh, Billy Graham and Bono. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Um, just a couple of guys. I don't know who they were. I, I know, you know, God did something, but, um, you know, if you're, if you don't share, you know, some of the challenges and just, Hey, keep at it and, um, keep making it about the Lord. And if you're not willing to do that, you're not going to equip people. If you're not willing to go out with people because they're afraid to start, and just like start praying, praying over people in public and help people get going, give them a push, like go with them. If you're not willing to put yourself out there and, and make disciples and train people um, because you're this great person, you're giving people a total wrong idea of what it's about. And, you know, you're not going to you're not going to see people activated if you do that. So, yeah, I have a question. Um, so with evangelists and the rest of the fivefold ministry evangelists in the church, there can sometimes seem to be this like um, tension, to put it a polite way. Um, <laughs> oh, don't be polite. Friction. <laughs> um, and maybe even in some extreme cases, maybe some animosity even between people who are um, evangelist focused and then let's say like people who are pastoral or, um, you know, more focused on the, the inward workings of the flock. Um, but we know of, of course that there should not be any separation. There should not be any division. They both have the same mission, the same, um, ultimate goal, right. Which is to bring people into the fullness of Christ. Mm -hmm. But, um, how do, how, how, how are we as supposed to, as the church supposed to view evangelists, how do pastors and evangelists work together out of the fivefold and evangelists work together? What do evangelists bring to the fivefold that they need and what, do evangelists receive from the fivefold mm, yeah, that yeah. they need? Lots of questions. It is. Man, it's such a touchy um, area. I feel like can sometimes, I get a list? you know, like, <laughs> <laughs> those questions. <laughs> All I can do is go from experience and say like, um, if you're out in the world, you know, getting rejected all the time and, you know, sharing the gospel, it feels great to come to church. It feels great to be around people that agree with 
what you're saying and who mm-hmm. also believe in the gospel and it recharges you and it gives you the ability to, to keep trying and to keep, mm-hmm. keep training people and keep reaching out. Um, so evangelists should be receiving spiritual food from a local church. They should be there. They should be putting themselves in a place where they're receiving from pastors and teachers and, and other, you know, members of the ministry, elders, deacons, you know, people that love them, friends, you know, you got to have friends. Um, and then I think on the other side, um, you know, pastors that do have that focus on the flock and on, you know, caring for the inward workings, um, they should also be open to what the evangelist is saying, you know, whether or not they're saying it in a rude way or, or a nice way, you know, <laughs> but um, just realize that, um, you know, your church isn't just the shepherding church or your church isn't just the evangelistic church mm-hmm. or it's not just the worship church. Like your mm-hmm. church doesn't have to have one emphasis you can have room for everybody that has different perspectives. And if you have the humility as the leader of a church to allow all those different voices, you're going to be stronger in the long run. It might be harder to, to fit it all in and to get it all integrated, that it's worth the work because it's going to not only take care of the people you have, but bring in new people. Yeah. That's what's so important is, yeah, you can raise these kids that you have if you're a pastor, but what if there's no babies being born? <laughs> what if there's no one else new coming right. in? Right. That's part of what the church does. So you can't deny that if you're, you know, more pastoral and you also can't deny the importance of raising those kids and making those true disciples if you're evangelistic oriented, because like we said, it's not divorced, like Mm -hmm. bringing someone to the faith and raising them in the faith is one project. The apostle Paul said he struggled with everything to present everyone mature. He did a ton of evangelism. Mm -hmm. He brought a ton of people to the faith, but that wasn't his goal. His goal was to, that they be mature. Anyway, that's kind of me rambling. Yeah. Did you have any thoughts yeah. on that, Pastor? Yeah, no, I completely agree because I believe that that this whole equipping of the church is very much like the equipping of a child when they're birthed into a family mm-hmm. um, and they need a well-rounded life. Mm-hmm. So if their whole life is all singular in focus, uh, you know, our, you know, your family, uh, they're musical. So the only thing the kid gets is music. And nothing else. I mean, it might be nice. They might be a next, you know, person that's, you know, Mozart. You know, that's true. But they might be really um, limited on how they can actually um, integrate into the church and into our world Mm -hmm. and how they can actually operate. Because if they only know that one thing that... You know, so I believe the fivefold, someone answering some of your, you had like 14 questions know, there, you know, know, that was a rough one to give somebody, <laughs> but jumble of thoughts, jumble of thoughts. Yeah. I'm jumbling <laughs> it back to you, okay. but the, the fivefold, how it uh, ministers to the church and church ministers to it and how it's all worked, how they work to each other. I, I love it because like you said, like evangelists in that one sector, when they're out evangelizing in the world, okay, mm-hmm. they probably come back pretty uh, torn up mm-hmm. because there's there's going to be rejection <laughs> you know mm-hmm. here we were talking about evangelists if you don't like rejection <laughs> you're gonna be a one heck of a fun evangelist to be around you'll be a bummer all the time right <laughs> because you're going to be yeah. rejected but they're not rejecting theoretically they're not rejecting you they're rejecting him but guess what you're his representative there mm-hmm. so you're going to feel the rejection yeah. if you don't you're just a, some kind of robot and you're not really showing them Jesus, yeah. <laughs> right? But the deal is when they come back to the evangelist comes back out of that part of their ministry into the church, um, 
there's then what part of their job, how they can minister to the rest of the fivefold is I think they have to now ministers to those pastors who are being rejected in the church. Oh. <laughs> They're like, I feel you. I get it. I understand. You know, yeah, I preached my heart out there. Nobody got it. <laughs> you just gave him Jesus, sir. He as well. Jesus. Just keep, like, keep giving him Jesus. Jesus because, you know, oh I know it sounds funny, right. but the it's prophets who feel rejected. The, the prophets who feel rejected. The teachers and the apostles. Right. Welcome. <laughs> We've been here. We've been here for a long time. Right. right. Yeah, yeah. So you're, uh, we, we sometimes uh, put these people in this kind of weird bubble and it's not reality. It's not, I mean, they're human beings doing the work of Christ and being rejected all, like I said, all five are rejected. And uh, by the way, they're sometimes rejected by people who are in their lives to help them too. Yeah. Really? No way. Oh yeah, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> Just once in a while. Try try going to dark places and share with bad bad people, gross right. gross people the gospel. Try getting people. All right. So yes. let's say you're an He's evangelist. That in quotes, let's bad say bad you know, people, yeah, gross yeah, people. I'm being sarcastic. Um like you know the people Jesus hung out with. Right, yeah. Um say, it say like, you bring, I thought he was describing church. <laughs> well, yeah. Um say you're an evangelist and you bring five people from your nice church. You get them excited to go yes. out to, um, you know, to sort of a dark place where there's a lot of people that are living in sin and you get them to go share the gospel, start praying for those people. You're probably going to get criticized by the church. Oh man, you're, you're leading those people into temptation. You shouldn't be there. Don't you know you're not going to make any difference? Those people are probably drunk. Those people are living a different lifestyle. We need to approach that a different way. You're going to take a lot of hits. Mm. You will. And that doesn't mean that you should do it without covering and without that. But if you take risks and you bring people into sharing the gospel, there's going to be people in the church that think uh, that's that's where the dirty people are. That's not what we do. Well, I think this are is ready for this that? is why it's so important for the fivefold to work together and mm-hmm. to be in communication with each other and to be submitting one to another because um, that you know if that's done in conjunction with the pastor. Right. Then that brings a whole other level of like, look, you have an issue with what we're doing. Go talk to your pastor. Like they're Mm -hmm. completely in agreement with what Mm -hmm. we're doing. They're praying over it. We're having covering. We're teaching people. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? That's the beauty of the fivefold ministry that is not doesn't just have to be the evangelists out there like taking risks on their own and bearing the brunt of it. It's like, no, we did this as a team. We authorized this, you know, and I'm leading this this charge. But this is done under the full um, covering and authority of the entire fivefold, yeah. and that brings such strength to it. It brings such covering. It brings such safety, and then also, you know, allows the pastor to be like, "Hey, yeah, take this person. This person maybe not be quite ready mm-hmm. for that <laughs> place, or yeah. you know, like." Uh, and then, you know, there's the, always the give and take there. But I think that's nice. the what we're really speaking to is the strength of the fivefold ministry. That it's not just one branch of it setting, you know, the entire, making all of the decisions, mm-hmm. setting all of the direction, pulling it completely that way. It has to be the five. Mm-hmm. Um, and there has to be honor. I think that's yeah, like one absolutely. of the key things between each one. Um, that's, and it, we know there could be more than Mutual one in each submission. office, but there's right. an honor for mm-hmm. the, you know, the apostle honoring the position of the teacher in mm-hmm. the church, yes. the uh, evangelist honoring the position of the pastor, the pastor honoring the position of the evangelist and the prophet. Like there, yeah. if there's honor there, recognizing the value of each yeah. office, each gift, 
then it makes it a lot easier to um, put away, I think, some defenses, yeah. you know, between Well, I think if in the absence yeah. of that, what church, what a church would be doing is offering a lesser Jesus mm-hmm. because when when you give the full picture of Jesus, um, he's not just a church that's an evangelistic church. Mm-hmm. We're not just a prophetic church. We're not just a you know a, a pastoral church that tends and cares. We're not just a uh, apostolic church that sends. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, the, right. it's all of that. We're we're uh, we're not just a teaching church mm-hmm. because if that's all you are, yeah. or that's you think that's your focus, then when someone is brought to you to care for, you're giving them just one sliver of mm-hmm. who God really is mm-hmm. and how how you're uh, supposed to be built up and established in the. F- the faith, the whole thing, because um, it, without that component, without the fivefold working together and the church working and understanding how the fivefold works and, and being partnered with it, then, like I said, you get a church that's very limited, I believe. Very, you, will not be meet, you won't be meeting the needs. You won't be becoming all things to all men. You won't, you'll, you'll actually be very selective so that some people will, then an evangelist could go, bring somebody to God and then do the second half of their job, bring them into the church. And the church is like, well, that's not who we are. We don't minister to those kinds of people. Mm. So, you know, there's a better church down the street for you to go to because they, they're, they're your kind of person. Mm. And so you're not um, welcoming. You're not bringing people in um, from anywhere, from all walks of life. And that's the heart of God. He came to save the world, not, you know, and he loves the world. (laughs) And it's not, well, that part of the world. I mean, he loves people who we consider just, you know, in our natural uh, feelings, how we're naturally biased, like just horrible. Like we're like, that's a terrible person. You know, God doesn't love them. Yeah, he actually does. Mm-hmm. He might not like what he, they're doing, right? I get that. Uh, he doesn't approve of their action, possibly, or their lifestyle, uh, most certainly. But then again, he probably doesn't approve of all of our lifestyles <laughs> when you really exactly. get to thinking about it. <laughs> or, else, or else we're all perfect already, and we're just waiting for Jesus to show up. <laughs> right? if this is perfection. Yes. <laughs> this is, someone really yeah, missed yes, something. Yes, yes. He had a little bit of a problem with self-righteousness. Yes. He didn't like that very much. Just the, um, but the reality but, is, is that's what an eva- I believe the heart of evangelists is, br- is bringing a, ta- a tangible, real God into the lives of people and bringing them and uh, uh, bringing them to the church and bringing them and getting them established in God yeah. so that they can grow into the, not just grow into what we think a church is, but what God believes a church is mm-hmm. and, and so, and who they are uh, and they're how they are in the church. They're part of the church that, you know, they, you know, when, I, when I came to Jesus, <laughs> I didn't. I don't think I fit. <laughs> you know, I had no. You know, I was against him. I hated. I hated God. Mm-hmm. I, there was no reason I should go to a church. <laughs> Let me put it this way, or belong in a church. It mm-hmm. just didn't. It it didn't make sense to me first, or anybody who knew me. Like why? But that didn't stop God, and that didn't stop people from 
reaching out to me and bringing me to God. And it didn't stop people from all along the way uh, helping to establish me in him. Yeah. It didn't stop. Yeah. And, you know, like you said, you know, Jesus said, um, the son of man came to seek and save mm-hmm. that which was lost. Yeah. So it's like, there's this heart of an evangelist that you have to embody where you're seeking the lost. Like you're mm-hmm. constantly initiating, which is very difficult. Um, it's not passive. You're an evangelist. You have to have a, a fierce love for the world and the church at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't just have one calling that's, you know, in the world and want, you know, I focus on that and I go to church to get recharged. Like, no, you have a calling in the church and you also need to lead people out in the world. You can't, you know, pick and choose. You have to fuse those together. Mm-hmm. You have to do the work in your soul. If you're going to be a leader in this area, it demands a lot of you because you will have to compromise with people in different offices. You will have to compromise some of the things that you, you know, feel a fire for, just like you would probably with the other teaching offices and, you know, with the pastoral office. And there has to be compromise, but there always has to be this love and this willingness to seek people out that are lost. Um, and that means that we have to be found and we have to constantly be with Jesus, mm-hmm. whether we're seeking pe- people that are lost in the world or in the church. By the way, there's a lot of people that show up at church that are lost, yeah. you know, whether or not you believe that. But mm-hmm. there's people that show up to church that don't really understand the gospel. And an evangelist preaches the gospel to the church, mm-hmm. the gospel of the kingdom. Yeah. So, I mean, people, every, every time people come to church on Sunday, they have a chance of the light going on. And so, you know, we're active within the Sunday service. We're looking for people that are visitors, and we're also trying to bring the gospel, like when we're preaching as an evangelist or when when we have the pulpit or we have the ability to teach a class, we're constantly bringing forth the message of salvation because God is seeking people. He's seeking those that are lost. Mm-hmm. He's not giving up on them. And if you don't take the initiative to be with the Lord, you will you'll lose that initiative. Like that's happened to me, you know, several times during my ministry. And you have to get back on the horse because it's, it's a big requirement like to, to be constantly going out and seeking after people. You have to be in love with Jesus. You have to maintain that. You know, um, that's so good on so many levels. And the reality of God's, he's seeking after each of us individually mm-hmm. all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to have that heart of the Father, I mean, that's where, that's where you know, other parts of the fivefold come into play also. But to, to know, uh, like I'm so thankful He's always looking for me, yeah. yeah. Right, and um, and I'm so thankful that once in a while I let him find me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, and uh, actually engage me, and uh, uh, that he's uh, brought me to a place where that can actually happen, mm-hmm. right? And that's something I think an evangelist, like you said, actually has to do in the church. They have yeah. to bring people to that uh, reality of, of God, that seeker that he's looking for you today, you know, and it's a very personal thing. It's not, that's why, you know, it's a personal salvation. It's not just a, uh, you know, uh, just saying a bunch of words and yeah, I I got it done. Check the box. No, it's, he has to become uh, personal and it's something we grow into. Yeah. You know, well, as we're um, wrapping up our discussion here about evangelists, um, evangelist Pastor David, I was wondering mm. if you could just pray mm. over uh, evangelists and yeah, um, yeah just whatever yeah. leads you on as we're clap- wrapping yeah. up here. Yeah, Lord, um, mm. thank you so much for the evangelists that you have predestined and called and appointed in your church. And I pray for those uh, that are discouraged. Uh, maybe they do not feel that 
they're endorsed or they're supported. I pray that you'd give them the humility um, to seek after proper authority and submission and give them the encouragement to persevere, even if they don't feel supported, even if they don't sense that their pastors or leaders understand their calling. I pray that they would serve those pastors and leaders. I pray that they would come underneath them. I pray that they would play the long game and they would influence their congregations to be outward focused and to be equipping and sending and rescuing the lost. And Lord, I thank you for those that are in positions of influence that are, um, are equipping people that are, that are encouraging people that are going out and making a difference in their community and in their world. I thank you for them, Lord. Just please encourage them and let them stay in love with you. Father, I thank you for the evangelists that are out on the mission field. They're taking the gospel mm-hmm. to new places. Lord, I pray that you would mightily encourage them right now. Yes, Lord. I pray that you would support them, that you would bring people around them that would pray for their healing, that would counsel them, that would pastor them, that would be friends to them, and that would go with them into the work. Uh, many evangelists I know are, are lonely, Lord, and I pray that you would bring partners into their work, that you would bring people with a like-mindedness and a fire and a jealousy for the glory of God yes. and the salvation of souls, that you would bring that to your workers in the mission field overseas in all nations, Lord, and bring that fire to us uh, where we're at in our local context. Lord, bring us the fire. Even if we're not, quote-unquote, a missionary, Lord, help us to see our community. Help us to see the people that need to be reached, the people that you want to seek and save. And I pray, Lord, that you would give wisdom to evangelists to know how to encourage their church, to know how to stir up the believers, to know how to reach the lost and bring people with them when they do it, God. And I pray for the churches, God, that they would make room for the evangelist, that they would see that the evangelist is not outside the church, but is a part of the church. And I pray, Lord, that um, the message of the gospel would be so clear, the gospel of the kingdom, Lord, and that the lordship of Jesus would be proclaimed in every one of your churches. Lord, bring about a revival of the simple gospel. Yes. Bring about the simplicity of Christ through the mission of the evangelists in the local church. Lord, infect us with a love of Jesus like never before. God, I just thank you for um, the good news. It's a privilege to carry that, God, and it's it's such good news. I pray that you would uh, renew our fire today to share good news with people. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to get the latest episode. And for more information, visit spiritschoolofministry.com.